Welcome to episode 30 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. Michael O'Brien from the Sun-Times here with Joe Henriksen at the City Suburban Hoops Report. And we are going to look back on all of the holiday tournament action. We're going to, Joe and I will each hit our two takes. We're going to have some questions from listeners and then a brief look at the week ahead for you guys. Just a little housekeeping. As always, please rate and review us on iTunes if you get a chance. I haven't looked in a while, but we had a couple new ones the last time I did. And we are also available on Stitcher Radio if you like to listen that way. So, Joe, let's uh, let's get rolling right away with uh, your first take. Yeah, my first take, Mike, is just as you look at all the tournaments, all the different teams, all the styles of play, I came away with, you know what, there are times where some of the hype and the overall talent, as we've been proven years and years watching this stuff, doesn't really matter. And these certain styles of play, and I, a couple of examples, or how they play. Thornton is one of them. You know, I talked to Ty Streets, the coach at Thornton, after their tournament title, and it, it just struck me of, you know, Thornton isn't loaded with Division One players. They probably don't have a single one on their team. And yet, here they are, 9-1. and one, They won the Dipper. And it, it just stood out to me the way he talked about how much this team hustles, gets after it, plays hard, and competes every day in practice. He says they compete. Uh, so I mean that translates in a way that you know we a lot of people don't quantify because we just look on paper. You know what this team has, what team that that has. Another one is, is this this York team that ran through their own tournament. They are they are not the prettiest sight to see, Mike, but. They are so effective with this zone defense that they play. I talked to numerous coaches that played against them. And so my take, my first take is just style of play sometimes matters. Uh, and, and and what you do aside from the overall talent can go a long way in your team's success. And, we, and we've seen it over and over. But again, it just kind of struck me again and reminded me that, that the possibilities of that watching these teams over the holiday tournament. No doubt. My first take is a request, a plea, <laughs> basically to a lot of high-level public league coaches. Um, not sure how many of them even listen to this podcast, but please, guys, stop it with the out-of-town holiday tournaments. No one really cares who you beat in Missouri or Michigan or wherever the heck y'all went over the past few weeks. I mean, it's just, I don't see what it does for you, what it does for your seed, in the sectional, when you go to suburban coaches or Catholic league coaches and say, oh, we beat blah, blah, blah from Arkansas over the holidays, and it's really weakening our holiday tournaments. I mean, just off the top of my head, I could have you know, done a little more research on this, but we've got Orr, Hyde Park, Farragut, Kenwood, and Marshall. I know all went to nondescript, out-of-town tournaments. Uh, Evanston did go to kind of one of those you know, when you have a great player, a lot of times teams will get offered. They went to King of the Bluegrass, which is a big event in Kentucky. I understand that. I understand the city of Palms, you know, when Young has gone there, right. that kind of thing. But I don't get why our ranked public league teams are going to these nothing, cold weather, bad holiday tournaments. I'll second that. You know, I know, like you said, nobody knows anything about it. You're out of sight, out of mind, and you really kind of lose a little bit of your luster. Uh, locally here when you're playing in those, like you said, nondescript places. My second take, and I don't want to sound like the Grinch, uh, but our ta- I-, I went into this holiday tournament time trying to be positive, and, and I'm, I'm still positive. It's still high school basketball. I love it. But, Mike, our talent level, and we've talked about it in the senior class is one thing, but even in the, ju- the juniors and the sophomores – and again, I don't want to be too negative because a lot of these kids are young and they're still going to develop, but there are not, there just is not high level talent in our state right now, uh, particularly in the Chicagoland area. Uh, this, this junior class is very good. There's going to be a ton of division one players, but there just aren't a whole lot of big time difference making guys that get you excited about maybe their recruitments of the highest level or how they can just put a team on their shoulders and carry them. Yes, we've been spoiled by the the Parkers and the, the, the Brunsons and the Cliffs and the Jaleels and all that, but I'm not even talking that type of talent. I'm, I'm talking 
just bona fide, no doubt about it, high major talent in this state, particularly in the Chicago area, because in Illinois, the top three of the top four prospects aren't even, they're all south of Interstate 80. And you look at the public league and this junior class and the top three or four players, they're very nice. They're coming along nicely, but they're not anywhere what we've seen in past years. So, Again, I don't want to sound too pessimistic about the talent level, but it is down, and it you look at the potential of McDonald's All-Americans, which isn't you know, the end-all, be-all, but we could have a stretch here where I, I see without a McDonald's All-American for three straight years, which has never happened in the state of Illinois. That dovetails nicely into my second takeaway. DeMonte Williams, the junior from Peoria Manual. Um Joe, you told us a lot about how he was a different player over the spring and summer. And the first two games at Pontiac, he was the same player I'd seen. And then came the semifinal against Juliet West. And he was completely spectacular. And it wasn't even his production. So he got to the line a lot. He got a lot of crap fouls called on him. About half of his 37 points came from the line. But it was those moments where he displayed his athleticism and the next level things he could do. Some of them, some of them were dunks he missed, you know, things like that. But it, he looked like maybe the best player in the state in that game, and maybe had the most potential even of any player in the state, you know, going forward in college and maybe even in the NBA in that game. And then against Curie in the title game, he was back to the same old guy he'd been. Now, he did have a couple high-level moments in that game, but he's just an enigma to me. I mean, I didn't know he was capable of doing what he did against Joliet or even the couple flashes he showed against Curie. And so my big question for the rest of this season and next season, what what guy is he? You know, can you depend on him? Is he a high-level top 100 national guy? Or is he, you know, the guy I've seen in some of the other games? He, it's just, it was good to see what you talked about. And I guess my takeaway is, I now believe that DeMonte Williams could be that good. I'm just not sure if he will be. And that's in a nut. you got it in a nutshell, Mike. And that is the knock on him as well. I mean, I, he, he did not have a great junior year. He was, or a sophomore year. He was not very good at Pontiac as a sophomore. And I, I was admittedly down. And then I saw him in the spring, and I loved him. And he showed a lot of the things you saw, uh, the athleticism, the size at 6'3", the length, all the things you look for in a college prospect. And, you know, he's a combo guard, but he's got that good size at 6'3", and he is going to be a high major regardless at the end of the day. But it's a matter of now, is he going to be assertive? Is he going to compete? And take it at the next, take it to the next level as a player on a regular basis, and showcase. And it doesn't have to be like you said, just that pure domination. But somewhere in the middle there, between that game and a couple of the other lemons that sometimes you see. But I, I do think he's coming along. I think he's made big strides, and I think he's going to be fine. And I do think, you know, you go from that to like a Jordan Goodwin down at Belleville Altoff, who's kind of the opposite. He doesn't have the yeah. knockout athleticism or the dimensions or the maybe the overall skill set that you would envision a high major player to have but he gets it done every single game and he has this just endless toughness about him and a production level that's so high so you know those two are kind of my top two guys in that class as prospects yet they're completely different i guess one caveat to the the second game at and it's funny i always get a lot of criticism on Twitter when I mentioned this, but the, the game against Curie, the title game, it was literally two hours, three hours after um, the Joliet game, and it's not club basketball. We see it every year in Pontiac Final, and this year it was a lot worse because of the, the condensed schedule. They only had a couple hours off um, from the second semi. That That's just a killer. You know, everybody was down. The Joliet West team had nothing at all in the third place game against Simeon. And so that, that was rough, and so it's a little bit tough to judge DeMonte Williams off that game, right. I think, um, for sure. I should should mention that. Well, you know, real quick, um, you know, we'll break down a few of these tournaments, Mike. You know, uh, real quick, Pontiac, while we're on it. I mean, I know you're a 
uh, a very unbiased Juliet West fan. Uh, no, <laughs> I will <laughs> never, I will never ever recover from that uh, foul call it, against it, against it, You know, it was a great my my biggest. I guess it'd be a third take here, but my biggest thing with the, the Pontiac tournament was I was a little bit down on what date was that? Was that the thirtieth they played the 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 quarters? Oh no, the. That was semifinals. That was the 31st. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah 31st. Those two games were so good. They were at such a high level and what we're accustomed to that it kind of helped me get over what I had witnessed the day earlier, which was some really bad basketball. So, but it, it, it's just amazing to me. No matter, it just seems like whatever teams you throw into the semifinals at Pontiac, those two semifinal games, more or less, they just. Teams raise their level of play. They might even play better than they really are, and the games are an ultra competitive competitiveness that it's just refreshing. I, I had a several several people that walked out of that gym and were talking and talked to me about just that was fun. You know, those two games, those two semifinals, which if anybody that's listening now didn't pay attention, there were two great ones. Uh, Curie beat Simeon on a on a running three pointer at the <laughs> yeah. buzzer. And then um, Manuel, in a, in a somewhat controversial ending, um, beat Joliet West. So in, in overtime, so Demonte it, it was Williams just, missed a three pointer at the buzzer. A clean look with a couple hands in his face, and a Peoria ref that's known him since he was a kid called a foul, and he hit all three free throws, and they won. And that's what happened. My unbiased non-Joliet West, I would not have called it in that situation. I've seen that called during the middle of a second quarter, you know, in a 12-point game, whatever. But in that critical of a time, it didn't affect his shot when he shot it. Just let it go. That you was, got, and you have to call it when it happens. It, the whistle blew after the ball rimmed out. <laughs> that was what really killed everybody. Yeah, I would have been I, a lot less demonstrative if he'd have called it right away, you know, personally. But he didn't. There are also more. Do you, do you, uh, do I see more technical fouls called it at Pontiac than any other place. Joliet had two in that game. They actually lost because every of that year as well. there's technical yeah. fouls. Yeah, the, those so refs. I, you know, Robert Smith talked about it. I don't know if this is for public consumption or not. He probably won't mind. But and he wasn't the only ref that. Or, um, sorry, coach has mentioned this to me. Things have gotten a little too personal. Um, the same coaches and the same refs have been at Pontiac for a long time. Right. And there are some relationships there that aren't great. Um, well, I just, I, I, I almost feel like it coming down now that, that the Pontiac and the referees are becoming a little bit too big of the show. It's the truth. Yeah. And it's got to get back the other way. Uh, but anything else from Pontiac? That's about it. I mean, Joliet West was good. They, Cur- they, Curie um, laid down the fact that they are the class four, a state, championship favorites to me um, yeah they're the favorites I, I don't think they're by far and away the favorite because they went out the buzzer on a three-pointer but i you know i they 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 won and they haven't lost to anybody in illinois and they are extremely talented and it's why i had them ranked number three in the preseason it doesn't shock me it doesn't surprise me um we're gonna they, they wanted the bit. buzzer but i think they were in control of a lot of that game um, yeah, I know. I mean, they, they were the better team. Yeah, I mean, Simeon they, made a run and they stuff. They were the better but, team that yeah. game. There's no question. And uh, they, they deserve what they got and where they're at right now. Um, Proviso West, real quick. You know, I, I don't think any, I think we all expected Morgan Park. I, I think some people, I don't know, I guess I can include myself, but uh, maybe not. Because I, I, I didn't think anybody was going to beat them. But they really did handle themselves pretty Easily against 3A teams in St. Joe's and Fenwick that are three, two of the top five 3A teams. So anytime anybody kind of forced their way, forced the issue, Morgan Park just responds the way they do, and they rattle off that run and just put you away. And they did it against Proviso East. Uh, Proviso East had it down to two points, and boom, like that, it was up to 18. St. Joe's, same thing. They they and Fenwick just you know put Fenwick away in the second half. So Morgan Park's dominance is not a surprise, but I think it did show that they are you know obviously the the best team in the Chicagoland area. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we had a CPS team that was this good that could shoot that well. You know, it just to me that's the difference with them. It's to me a little bit reminiscent of the Marshall teams with you know Beverly and. 
Hare and Smith, and they play that kind of defense. They're that excited about basketball, and then they can shoot just so well. And they have Charlie Morris. Yeah, no doubt about it. Fenwick played well. You know, everybody kind of held serve at Proviso West is what happened. The teams that we thought were good were good. And then maybe Proviso East surprised everybody. Antonio Williams came back and looked really good. So they're definitely a team to watch now. Um, one bit of news from Proviso West. You know, I retweeted this, but it didn't get a lot of play. They are not going to have the floor covering next year. Already got rid of it. Yeah, they got rid of it. They heard the complaints. Um, something, you know, that Kelvin Davis doesn't get enough credit for. You know, I, I seem like I feel like I defend him a lot on this podcast, but he gets a lot of heck. Kelvin Davis listens and he tries to fix things. You know, Worsam Robinson, our photographer for the Sun Times, complained about the yellow lighting. I don't know if you noticed that, Joe. Yep. Um, it'd been there for decades. Right. And, and he got rid of it. He replaced I, the bulbs. <laughs> I, I, I've always hated it. Yeah. I, I just never said anything about it. I just, I thought it was just me being a, an idiot, but. Uh, I was always like, yeah, it is good. Got the weird lighting. So he's when he hears problems, he does try to fix them, you know, which is good. So that'll be nice next year because a lot of people were pretty upset about that floor covering. Um, In the thirty-two team Jack Tosh Holiday Classic at York, uh, a lot of surprises in what I don't know. To put this politically correct, it was a thirty-two team island of mediocrity. Uh, I took a lot of games in, watched a lot of teams there. There weren't, there's not a standout team in there. There's a couple of things to take away. One, the surprise teams, and then one, the disappointment of Riverside Brookfield. RB reached the final last year, got thumped by Lake Forest, and then came back this year as the team to beat. I was at the Riverside Brookfield Naperville North game. RB just laid an egg. I mean, it was bad. Um, it was the worst I had seen them play in, in two years. Uh, give Naperville North credit, they won without their best player even playing in the game, and they were up by 20. So, you know, our RB was, you know, a disappointment. Yeah, certainly not a team to give up on because they've got enough talent from last year's team and last year's success to do just fine going forward. And they've got a couple of big tests coming up that they can prove their worth, and they're going to have to because they got Fenwick, I believe St. Joe's. Um, I'm missing another one in there, but... Uh, that to me was one thing, and then the other thing was just the surprise of of York. I previewed the tournament, and and I went back and I looked. I listed eleven teams to watch as a favorite sleeper, whatever categories I had. Now, once that I mentioned York, uh, I talked to Coach Vince Duran the other day just about that, and I said, "Hey, you might be my midseason coach of the year for what you've done." If you look at the look test of York and what they've done, and some of the wins they've gotten, some nice wins. I mean, they thumped, they crushed down or south, uh, and and then beat a red hot Neighborville North team, so and, and beat off Swigo. So I, this York team is is one of the real surprises of the first month and a half because no one talked about them. No one knew anything about them. They're not even as talented on you know, on paper as they were a year ago. But here they are doing what they're doing. Yeah, good for them and good for Naperville North. It was fun to see those upsets happen. Um, now is the time in the podcast in which I will address the Riverside-Brookfield issue, which I'm sure a lot of you want to hear about. Um, I talked a lot a little bit online in my notebook last night. But, yes, I jumped Riverside-Brookfield. I could have kept them, you know, in the low 20s. But at this point, I don't have a, a single win for them to hang their hat on. And I was probably higher on them than anybody else was headed into the preseason. I considered them for number one. That I, is the truth. I, I remember uh, yeah. our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I like them that much. But let's just real quickly list Riverside Brookfield's wins. Rich Central, which might be, which is actually better than you think. They're pretty competitive. St. Lawrence, Lake Park. Oak Park, Wheaton Academy, Immaculate Conception, Aurora Central, Fenton, Rolling Meadows, Lake Forest, and Matea Valley. Now you throw and everybody would have thought the Oak Park win was good, but they're five Oak and six Park now. is really struggling. Yeah. So and the uh, Neighborville North lost was by eighteen points. Right now, no, it, it, they they they're and, and it's a wake up call for. I mean, they got a lot of hype, boy. I mean, coming into the season, everybody had them in the preseason top ten. Uh, coming off a, a historical, monumental season in RB basketball history, and they had four starters back. So, but I think it's, it, it is a good wake-up call for that group, that team. And as I mentioned, they've, they've got plenty of time to to, to right the ship and, and and get a big win or two. I mean, they have a, they have enough pieces to do so. Uh, they do have some weaknesses. They're still missing some guys. Uh, Trellenberg is coming back now in January, so he'll be back. 
so I heard, I, I heard Skylar Nash is playing very well. You know, he, he led him in scoring for like two or three straight games. And some people I know who saw those games said they'd never seen him play quite that well. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm def- no one's going to give up on that team yet. Um, you know, and, and then Hinsdale Central, real quick. Any tournament that has an out of state team that wins it, well, I, it's that's it's really gross. I, I hate it. Uh, I was over there two different days. I think the tournament, real quick, has potential. I think they're going to draw uh, one, two, maybe three teams that that have been that might be holiday tournament, quote unquote, free agents here, and really upgrade. I, I it's it's well run. There were zero crowds though. I mean, the, the, there was nobody there. Uh, so that that is a tough thing to do is to pull a tournament together in year one. And I actually had some respectable programs for a first year tournament compared to some other t- tournaments around the Chicago area. So I mean, I, but there wasn't a lot to take. Stevenson, I saw them play two of their games that they won, and then I didn't see them play the two games they lost. I thought they returned the corner. Obviously, the two losses showed that maybe I was a little bit presumptuous with that. Yeah, really nice tournament for Homewood Flossmore. You know, kind of low-key, the South Suburbs did really well. Uh, Bradley Bourbonnet with a huge win over a really good vocational team that's not ranked by everybody that does rankings for some reason, even though they played really well against Simeon. You know, vocational is good. That's a nice win for Bradley Bourbonnet. HF, you know, went to the final of this Hinsdale Central tournament, lost to Crespi. So that was a big deal. And that comes right into the the Big Dipper, where maybe they're the best team in the South Suburbs, Thornton, whose only loss was the first game of the season to Springfield Southeast. They've ripped off, what, nine straight since then. A um, couple guys back, Patrick Rucker and um, who's the other guy? I'm Sam, Sam Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, the football quarterback. And then, you know, there's always a lot of lower-level talent. Um, Troy Jackson never played a lot of juniors and almost no sophomores. Um, so that'll, that's changing with Ty Streets. They're a lot deeper. And I think they're really going to be a team to watch in the playoffs this year. I think they're going to give some people some heck. I'm going to go see them on Friday against a good Lincoln Way Central team, actually, that nobody's talked too much about. Bob Kern is doing a great job there. They had a decent run, and they're also a dangerous team in the South Suburbs. And I'm going to get to see them play the following week. I'm going to go see them play your boys, Joliet West. Uh, they play, uh, I think. That is the same day as Morgan Park Simeon. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. I'm kind of hoping the CPS pulls a movie in that game. They do that sometimes. <laughs> do they cannot. decide where that game's going to be played at? No, there's been much discussion about it. Uh-huh. But no, we don't even know where it is. But it's supposed to be the same day as Thornton Joliet West. Uh, but yeah, we got a whole heap and a lot of questions about the future of the Dipper. What's your guess, Mike? I think, I think, it, I think it's, it's gone. You know, uh, they did some horrible things. They charged different prices for yeah, different areas that's, of the gym to sit in and that's why it looked emptier than it was it's just it's just you could just yeah. tell from the get-go early on that the organization was was starting to become hapless there was no pr for it no stats wise. online i mean was, nothing yeah, so horrible. you know and marion catholic lost to thornton i think that's another question mark team right now they just i like their i like the pieces They've got young guys that are still finding their way, but they're another team that is going to need to, to, to kind of step up in terms of getting a marquee win here or there. Uh, they've got some, you know, they, well, man, they did, they beat Bennett in overtime. This is not the greatest Bennett team. Uh, they're, they're, they're just solid, nothing flashy, but Mary Catholic did get that big win. Uh, and they can kind of circle the date with Niles Notre Dame, that East Suburban Catholic. But Mary Catholic is a team that, I don't know, they haven't been a huge disappointment to me, Mike. I just, I was really, as you were on RB, I was really high on Mary Catholic. So coming into the season. And it's going to be interesting to see how the next two months plays out with that particular team. No doubt. And let's move, I guess that'll do. Any other holiday tournaments you want to mention? I, I briefly... Yacked about Kankakee in there, which is a decent tournament. I'm trying. No, to Wheeling's so far away ago. Yeah. I mean, they, they, uh, you know, Libertyville made a nice run, and uh, I don't think they're a team yet that's going to make. Oh, big I, noise, I know but... one thing. Uh, Joliet Catholic should be mentioned. Um, one of my preseason picks of teams to watch. Um, they won Romeoville, right? 
Ah, um, uh, yes, yeah. they beat uh, Glenbard, Glenbard South. South. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're nine and two now, and they don't have any big wins yet. However, their only losses are to Bennett and actually a pretty decent Manuka team. Um, so they are worth keeping an eye on. I think they're going to get. They're going to have a rough time in the East Suburban Catholic, probably. Well, especially my, my view, real quick, the Julia Catholic team, you mentioned, yes, are 9-2. and two. There are, uh, I was looking at it, I think there's eight teams in the East Suburban Catholic with nine or more wins already. Oh, wow. yeah. uh, so that, that league is going, there, again, there's it's not deep. a... It's deep. Yeah, Marion Central Catholic I was impressed by. And yeah. St. Viator, and there's a bunch mm-hmm. of teams that people aren't talking about that are pretty competitive. But I know we got a whole bunch of questions, which I'll tell you, Mike, I, all these questions that come in, usually you expect some kind of bonehead ones. The, a lot of the questions we get, and I appreciate it, all, all the listeners that, that, that do send them in, are really good questions and, and pretty open and thought-provoking ones. No doubt about but that. There's a and, bunch of them. Uh, you kept forwarding to me, and I just kept the, yeah, <laughs> one after got, another. I think we got 10. We'll go with... We'll see how many we can get in. First one is from uh, Richard Kwok. He's an awesome high school basketball fan. I see him all around the area. He says, uh, this one's directed right at me and my um, Twitterness. Hi, Mike. You've been actively campaigning for the Illini to go hard after Nick Rakasevich. How do you and Joe project him as a college player? Would you compare him to former Illini Bill Cole? Gross. Or current, that, sorry, that gross is mine. <laughs> or current Illini Michael Finke or anyone else? Uh, project, project why, no, he's not like either one of those guys yeah. at all. Um, I, I, the, the new Nick, I love the new Nick and I think he's a no brainer high major projecting wise as a player. He's always kind of reminded me of, and I even in my reports, I sent out to college coaches. I kind of use an example of it. Anybody who follows college basketball a lot over the last five, six years, John Luer from Wisconsin, was a big man, six ten. He, he he reminds me so much of him huh, and what he can a, be. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. Yeah, John Lure, and, and I think they're going to have similar career path. Lure, if anybody follows Wisconsin hoops or what his career, he didn't do a whole lot as a freshman at the high major level, and that's you know, Wisconsin. That kind of happens that way, but. Lure each year progressively got better and better, and eventually was averaging 18 points a game. It was all Big Ten. I think it was definitely his senior year, maybe his junior year. So I think John Lure is a good player comp going forward for Nick Rakosevich. Yeah, I would say he doesn't remind me of anyone I've ever covered um, around here. So it was difficult for me to even think about a comparison at all. I, I do like that comparison. Nick's going to be a good college player. I'm not worried about it. He's for me, the, the thing with the big man, the first thing I worry about is, is he a basketball player? You know, does he like basketball? And mm, as stupid and as that just, sounds. Well, no, it's true yeah. because it's, a lot of these guys are forced at the very beginning to yeah. play basketball. And, yeah, we keep playing, we keep playing. We're going to get recruited, we're going to get recruited. Yes, I'm big. And and they don't love it, and they're not true players. But uh, but you're right. He, I mean, Nick has a good skill set. He can pass it. He runs a floor. He's got a good, pretty good basketball mind. So uh, and, and then you throw in the fact he's six eleven. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I I think that is a storyline to follow. Just his recruitment going forward between now and April, I, I think is going to be very interesting. And the next, we're gonna go right into another Nick Rakosevich question. As long as we're doing it, this is from Alex, who we know is a little Nick biased. Um, we're only gonna go with the first part of his question, but he wants to know: Is there a more important player in the whole state to their team than Nick is to St. Joe's? Uh, I'll start with that one. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, not saying Nick isn't great, but I think St. Joe's would be a super 25 team, no doubt, even without Nick. Right. And there are a ton of players that are more important to their team. Just at the Proviso West tournament, look how Proviso East changed with Antonio Williams. You know, a lead guard like that, the difference it can make to a team. So as good as Nick is, St. Joe's is loaded. Don't make any mistake about that. They've got right. all kinds of talent. And I mean, you take a Justin Pierce off of Glenbard West. Yeah. You take even a high-profile team like Evanston, no Jell Eastern off Evanston. I mean, I, uh, it, it, yeah, there's there's there are more important players for their particular team. Next question is from uh, a first-time uh, question asker, which is always fun. Uh, Malik Rees, I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong, wants to know how we feel about Hyde Park, how how we feel they've been this year, and about the Red Central overall this year. Um, 
Have you? Seen, I've seen Hyde Park once. I saw. Well, I, I, I just, I, like, I just keep looking at some of the public league teams as those second tier teams, and I'm just waiting for them to get over the hump. Teams I like, I like their personnel. I, I, I like Hyde Park's talent. Uh, but again, you're looking for these these marquee wins. I mean, they're two and two in the in the Red Central, I think. Yeah. And you know whether it's Hyde Park or Vocational and the Red South, looking for them to just to make that next step and, and and knock off one of the premier programs. And it hasn't happened. And I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I thought they were pretty sloppy. When I saw them against Kenwood, it was it was a problem. They, they just couldn't take care of the ball at all. You know, it was early in the year. That game was in early December. Hyde Park doesn't have a win right now to make them worthy of the Super 25. That's why they're not there. However, their losses are, are good. You know, they lost to Vocational by three points. No shame in that. They lost to Kenwood by six. And then they lost to Curie. You know, I think that was like 15. So that's not a great sign. So the losses aren't the problem. There isn't a good win. Their best win is Leo. And they needed overtime to beat King, uh, which is having a rough year. So Hyde Park will wait and see. They definitely have some talent. I think the Red Central overall, uh, King is down. I expect a little bit more from them this year. They're below 500. Curie, obviously, we've talked about. One of the best teams in the area. Kenwood, we're going to find out on t- an awful lot about them on Tuesday. Uh, where They go to Curie. I mean, I can see a scenario in which Kenwood wins that game and all of a sudden they're a bona fide top five team uh, for sure. But the Red Central's loaded, no doubt about it. I think it's an interesting league to follow this year, and it'll get a lot more interesting if Kenwood can win that game on Tuesday. Let's see. Next question here. Mike and Joe. Uh, this is from Hunter Clancy, who is the director of men's basketball statistics at Fenwick. You like that? How many schools do you think have a director of statistics? Uh, he says, uh, the hoops report mentioned that Fenwick is not really a three point shooting team. And it's proviso West preview, even though it has maybe the area's best pure shooter in Mike Ballard and other guards who can knock it down. So what is their style and what is their best chance to beat Morgan park in a possible rematch at state? Yeah. He's re- re- referring to my preview of the championship game where I-, I talked about what it would take to beat Morgan park. And one of the things is Morgan Park's defense can be stifling, but Morgan Park's defense also, if you can handle their pressure, will allow you to get three-point shots off. And, and I think a very good three-point shooting team, That's and, and by a very good three-point shooting team, I'm talking about guys in high school, even in college, wherever, they can put like four guys on the floor that can consistently knock down a three-point shot. I don't see that with Fenwick. I mean, Ballard is a very good three-point shooter. There's no question. Uh, but, you know, I, when I got this question, I went and back and looked up. And other than Ballard's three-point shooting, I think there were six of 28 from, from beyond the arc in the tournament, or seven of 28. So, you know, Mike Smith is the point guard. Uh, he can knock a, a three down. Uh, Jacob Keller doesn't shoot threes at all. Uh, the, the, the remaining player, Quinn, Quinn Fisher and a couple other guys, they were like two for 13 or two for 12. So it's not a three-point shooting team, but they are a well-balanced team. They are, they are very good. In a, it's a different type of team because they can knock a three down, but they have zero inside presence. So you know, going forward, I think that could be a, a, a problem, not against Morgan Park, but against St. Joe's. Uh, it, it, obviously with Nick Rakosevich at six foot eleven, uh, but you know I just don't envision Fenwick as this three point shooting team where they can send three four guys out there. They're going to get hit sixty plus three pointers this year. No, what do you think about what would Fen- what would Fenwick's strategy be? You know, to beat Morgan Park. I mean, I, I watched that game. Um, or no, I didn't get to see that one on the cube. I, I watched a lot of Fenwick and Morgan Park at Proviso West on High School Cube. And I've seen both of them play plenty. I mean, and what is anybody's strategy for beating Morgan Park around here? I mean, well, if I mean, you're not the, Simeon. The, 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 the number one thing, you have to, you have to somehow, you're not going to stop it completely, but you're going to have to manage their runouts. And you could do that. And I don't know if Fenwick has the necessary parts to do that because a couple of things, if you remember the Evanston game early on against Morgan Park, Evanston did a great job of, attacking the offensive glass and getting second-chance scoring opportunities in the first half. And I, I still see that with Morgan Park. 
defensive rebounding. They aren't great defensive rebounding team because they do release guys. Uh, they're I don't want to call them cherry pickers, but there's a few guys that will get out and, and that and, and they bury you that way because they can still manage to get some defensive rebounds and get run outs and get on these runs and these breaks and these these, these runs and breaks are back breaking. Uh, I'm not into depth a lot in high school basketball, but in that particular game, I was. Fenwick was coming off the double overtime. Those guys play major minutes. Mike, their bench yeah. is not very good. We knew they that. were playing yeah. 38 minutes, 37 minutes, coming back the next day to play that team, Morgan Park. I, it was just a bad, a bad time and a bad matchup for Fenwick at that particular time. I still don't think Morgan Park is going to lose to Fenwick, even if they're rested. But um, you, you have to negate the the, 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 the fast break run out 12-1 runs, 18 to four runs that Morgan Park put, it puts on you. I, I think my I don't think there's any way for Fenwick to do that. I think that's impossible for them to stop those run those runouts. They're just not fast enough, they're not deep enough, like you said. I think if I was putting on my coaching hat, you have to take away either Jaron Randall or Cam Irvin's threes. What one of the whoever the problem is Charlie's going to get his, and then either Jaron Randall or Cam Irvin steps up and hits three or four threes against you. Well, the other thing you is have a, to stop it, one is, of them. Is uh, Werner Park can be a bit streak individually can be streaky from three, and you kind of hope Jaron Randall has one of those one for eight games instead of the and, four and, for and seven. And he has, but then Cam Irvin hits three. Right. You know and, what I mean? And and, and that's then the they've problem. got <laughs> uh, they've got an unselfish. Io is unselfish as a point guard yeah. right now. His you know, his assisted turnovers, I think, was like, uh, like fifteen to two or fifteen to yeah, three he is in the, the tournament. Real deal. I'm, and uh, and then Charlie Moore has the breakdown ability, so which brings your defense and and, and takes you out of position. You know, it, it, it's they're the number one team for a reason, and they're going to be the toughest team to beat. Um, I, my question is, do you think this Morgan Park team is better than last year's Morgan Park? There's team? not a doubt about it. I think they're better. Than any team last year, I think they would have beaten Stevenson. Um, we can right, we can talk I, about well, that I, a different I, day. I, I can't say I don't. Yeah, but, they're they're uh, playing on such a, such a high level right now. Um, I, I was trying to think about actually. This is what I do in my free time on the drive home from Pontiac. I was trying to think of when the last time I saw a local team um, playing as well as Morgan Park's playing right now, and I had to go back pretty far. I mean. I they're not winning because they have a player better than everybody else, which is what we've seen for the last five, six, eight years. I agree with everything you're saying. The only thing I don't like is I don't know. As high levels are playing, there's not one team out there that they've matched up against, or I don't know if they will. Not to say that they won't lose a game, but because they're gonna, like, high school, it ain't going to happen. I just, there's not that team out there that, I can judge them against as, all right, now we're going to see if, I mean, yes, I mean. Uh, I think Simeon's better than they were last year. Um, that's not going to be a popular opinion, but I think they're playing better than they played last year, Simeon, um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's. B- but you're right. They're not going to, we're not going to know until the Belleville Altoff game, you know, assuming right, that happens. Well, right. If they yeah. run them off the court, which by I mean, if they win by 10, then I think it's going to be hard. I think my argument will have a lot more weight. Um, right. at that point. But I just think they're playing some really, really amazing. They, they are, the whole is more than the sum of its parts with this Morgan Park team, which is the first time we've had that in a few years. Yeah, and I've written about it before. This team has more uh, things they can hang their hat on than any other team, from the the defender and the physical toughness of Jamal Burton to the guard point guard play to the three-point shooting to yes, they don't have a dominant inside player, but they do have size down there that does alter and affect some things. So they just have a and the depth. They got tremendous depth. Uh, moving on here to an undefeated team. Forget Morgan Park and their loss to Detroit Jesuit. Brian uh, Moran has a question about undefeated Glenbard West. He says, with Glenbard West being one of two undefeated teams remaining, looks like Brian is uh, aware of Grays Lake North. Which West <laughs> Suburban team do you and Joe believe could beat Justin Pierce and the Hilltoppers after seeing a month and a half of basketball? Joe, can your can your York guys do it? Uh, you know, I was looking at their schedule. If Glenbard West can run the table. They're going to be favored in every single game they play the rest of the year until maybe, well, probably even in the crossover game. With We'll see how Proviso East kind of materializes over the course of the year. But 
the York plays that style that can muck it up. They played them already. They beat them once. They'll play them again uh, in the second round of the conference, West Suburban Silver. I, I, I mean, I think it's York. You, you'd like to say the Oak Park River Forest would have a shot at them because of the athleticism that they have. But I don't know. I mean, this is not a juggernaut Glenbard West team. I'm going to go watch them tomorrow night against St. Charles East on Tuesday night. But it, it, it's it's not a deep team. They rely heavily. You talk about a lot of weight on one player's shoulders. Justin Pierce, I mean, he's averaging 25 a game right now, just about 11 rebounds a game. So uh, I don't think Glenbard West will run the table. I just don't think they have this overwhelming talent that – is going I'll to make allow the prediction that. right now. They're going to lose this week. Well, who do they play this week? St. Charles, Charles East and Oak Park. After St. Charles East, great one and three showing at the Hinsdale <laughs> tournament. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 they're going to lose. The, both of those are the two best teams they've played, probably, except for Hinsdale South. I would have said um, St. Charles East if I if they weren't playing so poorly. Maybe they'll turn it around. And they, they got some injuries. James McCorn still out. I mean. I, uh, Oak Park can do it. I, I think they'll lose one of those games this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Lombard West will lose a couple games, but right now they've positioned themselves to be a number one seed in that East Aurora sectional. That's not going to last. Sorry. I, I've seen them. Justin Pierce is nice. I don't see them making it through the next couple weeks or this week. Um, next, uh, let's see. This is from Mike Chamernick. He says, uh, hey, Mike, you were at the Simeon Morgan Park game that was delayed due to Due to a faulty midcourt hoop, what are some other bizarre delays and postponements, postponements that you and Joe have encountered over the years? I, uh, as usual, did not take enough time to think about this question. Just I last year, I had a Bogan power outage at Bogan. Obviously, had the power outages at Pontiac <laughs> this week, so those have been some delays. Tons of delays for Morgan Park being late. I had a gun delay at Crane years ago. Oh, nice! All right, that was that. That's that. That wasn't a good I one. I have not that. I had have had <laughs> almost every time I've ever gone to Carver, I've had a delay because the refs couldn't find it, or um, Janelle Evans, the old Carver coach, used to tell me that all of their games were delayed because of one of two things: either the refs can't find the school, or the refs would drive into Altgeld Gardens, which is where the school is, is in the middle of Altgeld Gardens, a low-level housing project at like 130th, and they would decide that they, this wasn't worth their money, that they were leaving, <laughs> and they would go home. So a lot of those games are ref by one or two refs, and things are always pretty delayed there. Carver is probably the king of delays, at least in the CPS. As far as in the suburbs, I can't really come up with any other super interesting stories that I can remember. Delay. Remember when uh, who who went into the crowd at the Dipper? Oh, Nate Manoy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. that took a while to sort itself out. Um, yeah, we had a super long blood delay at Pontiac this year that ruined my New Year's Eve plans. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole blood delay period has kind of gone. Well, that's another story. It went on for like fifteen minutes. But yeah, that's. I guess that's. Hit me with another question. That's all I've got. Um, next question. From Rennell Chapman. The Curie vs. Simeon game at Pontiac was sensational. I see what you were all saying about Curie being a Class 4A favorite, but as I sit back and think about all the years I've been to Peoria in March and seeing Curie miss their opportunities, it gets harder to believe that they can actually make it to Carver Arena. Barring injuries or, God forbid, eligibility issues, do you think this year contains all the pieces needed for this Curie team to get to Peoria? And will the path be any easier now that Simeon is not in their way anymore? Uh, yes and yes to me. That, that That's a big factor to me as we go back to the whole, there just aren't that many great teams out there. And that's going to play very well for Curie in March. And Curie has had their nemesis, sometimes themselves, sometimes uh, another public league team. And they are, I mean, I think we could comfortably say they're the best program, winning this program without a sectional title in the Chicago area. I mean, I, I haven't researched this. But I believe that that is probably the case. No doubt about it. And yeah, I'm a believer in this Curie team. And I. You were suspect at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And I had them lower than most people had them headed into the holidays, even. And they proved me wrong without a doubt. Um, Alante Pickens, just much better than I thought. He didn't have a great last day in Pontiac. 
Um, but he's kind of that third, he's kind of their Jaron Randall guy, you know, Cam Irvin, you know, everybody right. knows and, about Joyner yeah. and Gage. And, and, but, and quietly, Landers Nolly, the sophomore, has provided them a, I mean, very, uh, uh, I mean, he, I can't remember his stats. I wrote them. Yeah, he I had some nice games. And Michael Johnson, the transfer from DePaul Prep. Right. You know, they've got a lot of guards and, and when one of them isn't having a great game, they've got that other guy to go to. And that kind of depth, you know, like Morgan Park has, is very helpful. And the key has been the big men. Um, Terry Smith Jr., Trayvon Martin, you know, have both played, you know, they haven't been super great or anything, but they rebound. And that's been so key. That's what I did not believe in, basically, in Curie. And those two guys definitely proved me wrong. Um, they've definitely given Curie what they need. And this team doesn't turn the ball over. Which is something Curie always Curie's had issues always with. Always done yeah. critical turnovers in the last four minutes of totally. games. Totally, I mean, much, uh, that's Simeon's issue in a lot of games lately. Yeah. So, been, I, but my biggest key for them is Devin Gage. If when he plays at the level he played at in those when he had twenty three points in back to back games, they're a different team. He's a senior. He's the he's the guy. And when he's playing at that level, and he has not done that consistently over his career. And now, it made me, you know, he's kind of piecing that together. And, and that's why I think Curie is playing at an even higher level than, you know, I had him preseason number three, but, I, you know, I, I think they're even better maybe than I thought they were going to be too. Um, Rennell Chapman has a couple other ones that kind of dovetail. Uh, is it possible for both Peoria Manuel and Belleville Althoff to make it to Peoria in Class 3A? Yes. yes. Um, second is a question, long question here, but it's basically can Peoria Manuel hang with Morgan Park? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I think Pure Emanuel is very good. They are, but they are going back to the opening. They are very good when Demonte Williams is the is the alpha dog, and when he's not, they're just kind of okay. Um, you know, Ramon Douglas Watkins is a, is a nice player. They've got nice pieces. They, they they they're very good. They're one of the you know, regardless of class, they're one of the top. 10 teams probably in Illinois. And I think they have a good route to get to Peoria. Uh, but they're not in the same class as a Morgan Park or a Belleville Altoff. I just can't. Joe, I sat there and watched Frank Williams' son beat me on the same court that, <laughs> that he beat. It was rough. I'm not gonna, I just can't even. Manuel is is like I tweeted, but it's like they're Voldemort to me. They're Cobra. They are any kind of villain arch movie cartoon villain is pure Emmanuel to me and watching them do what they did at pure or at Pontiac ugh, boy but they, 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 they very well could be playing in Peoria to answer the question they yeah. could play in Peoria I, and, think they and, will I mean be. right now real quick I mean Morgan Park Belleville Altoff Peoria Emmanuel and the winner of Fenwick St. Joe's you know that that gets you your four teams of Peoria doesn't mean it's going to happen but on you know on paper right now as you look at it that's a pretty darn good final four and three a uh, they are doing the ping pongs as we speak actually all right um I, I was just checking the website it doesn't look like they have posted them yet i wish they'd just call me and ask me <laughs> how to do it instead of the ping pong um, let's give a look at the week ahead here um two of the best games are as you listen to this today kenwood at curie and bogan at simeon um I think they should both be close games. I could see it going either way. We talked about Glenbard West at St. Charles East um, is a good one. Also, Lake Zurich at Zion Benton. I was really impressed with Zion Benton at Jacobs. They didn't get much preseason attention or any attention all year. I think they're definitely a team to watch. Also, Lake Forest at Stevenson on Tuesday night. Tuesday's a good day of, of really solid games, so get out to a game if you're listening to this. Uh, I think the day. Kenwood's chance is going to be at home uh, when they get Curie at home later in the year. Uh, I just, you know, the atmosphere they have there and things like that. I just, I just think Kenwood is going to have a tough time. I think Curie's sky high right now. Play with a big time confidence after coming out of Pontiac. A lot of teams come back from that and then drop an egg. So yes, that's what I'm uh, kind of wondering. I agree. Although when it's a high profile game like this, sometimes it's a little bit of a lesser team. Sometimes where they play a, a little worse, but uh, I think Curie, Curie will take care of business and and, and get it done. Uh, Wednesday, we've got uh, three good games. Notre Dame at Fenwick, probably the best. Um, I've seen Notre Dame play well and then play horribly. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be interested to see, you know, how the Fenwick's the favorite in that. It's at home. So that, that should be a really good one. Notre Dame can prove that they are more than they've 
kind of shown us if they can win this game. I like them a lot. They're changing up things. They've changed their defense. They're doing a lot more 1-3-1, the zone, uh, with using that length. They have to take care of the ball. That's their biggest issue. Un, you know, Turnovers are, are, are costing Niles Notre Dame possessions, and uh, that's what they got to kind of clean up. Farragut at North Lawndale, another really good game on Wednesday. I've talked Farragut up on this podcast. They've been living up to it lately. North Lawndale is kind of the victim of a lot of ignorance right now. We have a lot of people that don't realize that they've got you know a bunch of forfeit losses, and that's why their record doesn't look good. They beat like Zurich, you know, who just lost in the title game of Pekin. They beat Whitney Young at Young. Yeah. You know, they beat Zion Benton. You know, who did great in Bloomington. I don't know if there's six teams in the rankings with three better wins than that. Um, North Lawndale is playing at a really high level right now. You know, they lost to normal U-High in overtime at Bloomington. You know, we thought maybe they wouldn't do well at Bloomington. They came out right. of there 3-1. and one. Yeah, they've struggled in the past down there uh, with some some gains. But, yeah, I mean, you look at that. Red, the Red West is probably better than some people anticipated. Uh, I, I think Young is on the verge of... Uh, you know they're young and getting getting better. I watched them beat Farragut, so I mean it, it's you know the Red West a little bit better than and then Marshall, who a lot of people thought was going to be pretty good, uh, haven't won a game yet in the Red West. It shows you kind of the the depth there. That's because that's the fair, forfeit thing. Oh, Marshall, um, all three of them. Yep, they were, remember the the brawl at Westinghouse in the sectional final between North Lawndale and Marshall. Right. Marshall was forced to forfeit. Their three first conference games. Oh, I, don't, I thought it was just one. Yeah, North Lawndale was only forced forfeit two because they had to forfeit the playoff game. Mm-hmm. Is the way it worked. Um, Marshall lost to Lincoln Way West over the holidays, and they lost to Brooks. That's not a good sign. So they, they really haven't done anything to prove anything yet. So they're going to be very hyped up at to play at Young, and Young has a hard time defending their home court because no students show up. Um, so that that could be a, a nice tricky. It could be a nice win for Marshall, a tricky game for Young a little bit. Um, going through quickly here, Thursday we've got Grays Lake North at Crystal Lake Central. Undefeated Grays Lake North. I might go check them out. They're 8-0. and And uh, Morgan Park at Vocational. Which, you're, not counting, you're, you're missing a win. Yeah, I'm not counting. They, they beat the North Chicago JV, which everyone agrees was a JV game, so you're not getting that win <laughs> when it comes to me. Um, hard to see. It's hard for me to see Morgan Park having trouble at Vocational. However, Simeon always does when they go there. Um, so maybe, you know, Chris Pickett can slow it down and pull it off a little bit. And I'm going to jump right through to Friday. I'm going to go to Lincoln Way Central at Thornton, I think, get my first look at both of those two teams. Joliet West is at HF. Farragut at Marshall. St. Joe's at St. Ignatius. We talked earlier about the Glenbard West at Oak Park. York at Downers North, Uplift at Lincoln Park. Not any great games, but a you know a decent slate of good ones. Yeah, I mean it, there are some big ones coming up down the road. I mean and later in January and early February. But yeah, this you know outside the public league, uh, not a lot this week. But no, maybe uh, TF North, the, the Bob Hamburg shootout. HF plays Orr on Saturday. Should be a good one. North Chicago Bogan go out there. A lot of teams, a lot of action, and uh, I think that'll do it for us. For this week, we'll be back on the normal schedule now. These will be coming up on Tuesdays. So send in some questions, guys. And thanks a lot for listening.